bitch, bitch, bitch. And now, from the Town Vault, with Gil, Levi, and Justin. Welcome to From the Bone Vault, coming to you live from below Midnight Lair. I'm Gil. And I'm Levi. And I'm Justin. And tonight, we went to a really weird bar. No, we <laughs> guys, we watched we from dusk till... <laughs> yes, we did. We have watched from dusk till dawn. Guys, hit me with some facts. Well, Gil, uh, from dusk till dawn was a, uh, what would you say, crime thriller slash zany horror movie from 1996. It's only really two fucking films. Yeah. Yeah, it's two two films in a way that that, um, Full Metal Jacket is two completely different films. Yes, exactly. And the same level of quality as well. Um, (laughs) But it opened in 1996. Here's an interesting thing. The budget for this film was 19 million. Um, And the the opening weekend, they made 10 million. But altogether, rentals of the film was only 19,800,000. Are you kidding? So... Yeah, not a lot was uh, made on this. Wow. And um, I usually say this for a little bit later, but I'll take a slight detour right now. I actually saw this movie in theaters. Really? I don't know if either one of you guys did. Mm-mm. But no. I was, at the time, I was about 16 or 17, or no, I was 15 or 16 because I wasn't old enough to get in the movie. And my cousin went with me. So we actually got in the movie. We had sat down, and I think we got to the point where they show the woman in the. Uh, in the trunk from the side view. Yeah. And a friggin' uh, theater guy came up and told us we had to leave because she wasn't my guardian. And so we walked outside in the lobby and waited for like five minutes and then just walked back in. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was my experience. That must be like movie. a theater policy for them because some theaters yeah. have these weird rules. Like, I remember I took a date to a movie once and she was. She didn't mm-hmm. have That ID happened to me her. as well. And she. Yeah. They wouldn't let her in. Couldn't because, get in. Yeah. Right. I had to see a PG-13 movie yeah, once on a date I, it because was of terrible. that. Right. Um, so, yeah, we all understand that. Some of you younger viewers out there might not uh, experience that because you just stream everything. Yeah, they don't date. They, they Netflix and chill. We could have done that, man. <laughs> anyway, let's jump back into this crazy world. Um, the movie was written by Quentin Tarantino, produced by Quentin Tarantino, and directed by Robert Rodriguez, who is a Texas director. Shoot, shoot, y'all. A yeah. Texas In the air. Yeah. Um, What's that? I said a Texas director. Uh, I was going to say that since, <laughs> since you mentioned the writing, uh, Tarantino's sure. first paid writing gig which he did for only $1,500 um, at the time he did it. This script? He yeah. got that much money on the wow. first script he made? It's... I mean, remember, though, it was his first paid writing gig, but he was probably yeah. writing, writing stuff before that. And his writing really shows through in the movie. Like, there's parts that oh, are distinctly sure. Tarantino. Yes, um, most definitely. The, the opening scene, especially. Like, the, the conversation going on there is distinctly him. Even editing styles and stuff and, yeah. and filming techniques. We'll, we'll get into that later. But, yeah, you can definitely see his thumbprint all over this. Um, I guess we'll jump right into the cast from there because I really want to talk about a lot of this cast. First of all, right up at the front, we have George Clooney as Seth Gecko, one of the two Gecko brothers. His brother was played by Quentin Tarantino, Richie Gecko. And this was a huge deal for George Clooney because at the time he was on ER and he was sort of a heartthrob you know, dramatic doctor guy. And this role was a very big departure from what his normal 
roles were. This is his first Hollywood film, and probably why he got Batman. Yeah, I would assume so. I, I, That's cool. I, I didn't know it was his first Hollywood film. Yeah, and I've actually got some. I got some things to say on that in a po- very positive sense about Clooney about this film. Cool. Yeah, like this Look, is probably this is probably an actually really good role for him. Like he absolutely. did a really good job. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Especially to burst into Hollywood like this for his first film, that's that's yeah. amazing. And I always thought he was so cool in this role, like with his tattoo and just the way he acted. Yeah, I mean, I always thought it, he was cool. It, it, total badass incarnate in this film. I mean, just like mm-hmm. you—he's—he really is the, one of like the bad guys of this film. He's an armed yeah. bank robber yeah. who's killed people. I, but I, the Gecko Brothers are horrible people. I feel, I feel, but you I feel, I feel yeah. bad that it's so short-lived for him to be in these roles. He doesn't have any mm-hmm. kind of long stay in this world. Like he played right. Batman, which isn't anything like this either. And then his other film roles are usually romantic comedies or science fiction or something. But this role, or for like him, Ocean's Eleven type stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, Where he's and the smooth this role operator. for him was really out of place, even looking back over everything he's done. But he mm-hmm. he seems really at home in it. And, right, and it's, this kind of grungy bad guy. Absolutely, and it and it seems to me. It's weird that he didn't get more roles like that. That he didn't get some mm-hmm. some other action hero level stuff. Because well, I, I really think he could have played the part. He's got amazing delivery, great camera work. Um, it, it just his it, he looks like he should have a gun in his hand. You know what I mean? I mean that's that's I think, <laughs> right. I think that it's partially because of what you said though. The movie didn't make much money, and it's really yeah, it's kind of developed a cult following. And the things that he was known for were heartthrob on ER. And so his mm-hmm. second ventures in the film were more based on that part of his acting ability, not on this yeah. movie. But I think that this movie is probably where the Batman sort of he can be a yeah. hero thing kind of came from. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Well, while we're on it, let's talk about the rest of the cast. We have the Fuller family. Father Jacob Fuller is played by Harvey Keitel. And kids Kate and Scott, played by Juliet Lewis, whose father was in our last movie, Night of the Comet. There you go. And um, Ernest Liu. I think this was his first film. He was like one of the few people in the cast that I never seen before. I'm assuming this is one of his only films. Neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> but um, moving on, when we get to the Titty Twister in Mexico, we meet uh, Danny Trejo as Razor Charlie, the bartender. I did not. And know that along was his the name. way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Razor. I don't name. think they ever say they it. They never say it. That's hilarious. <laughs> in, in the but, captions, uh, it does say Razor Charlie, and then show oh, on. nice. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. Awesome. It says it says Sex Machine also way before his name is spoken. Sex Machine. <laughs> <laughs> but we also have Cheech Marin, who does triple duty. Yeah, he's the bo- the border guard. He's Chet Pussy. That's his name. Um, and Carlos at the end. And I love. <laughs> I love when he plays Carlos because Carlos he's so, is my like, favorite character. He like, just knows nothing as, about his. He's just there. He's, he's just like, like, what? What are you talking no, about? Because Carlos has like just one of the best exchanges with George Clooney when he goes, "What are those guys psychos?" And he's like, "Psychos <laughs> do not explode when sunlight hits them. I don't care how crazy they are." <laughs> That's my favorite line from the film. <laughs> but yeah, he he plays triple duty, and then pretty soon after that, we meet. Um, two people that have a huge um i guess legacy would describe one of them uh maybe both of them in the uh horror world which is tom savini yes and also greg nicotero did you see him either one of you no no where was he he was the guy with the long blonde hair that uh tom savini gets the uh drink from with his little whip his at the beginning whip. oh 
Yeah, that was Greg Nicotero. And for those of you out there that don't know, Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger did the makeup and special effects for this. And Greg Nicotero does um, a lot of the special effects for uh, The Walking Dead right now. And he also directs, and I think he writes a little bit too. So um, definitely two, two big names in horror. And after that, we have Selma Hayek, who played Santanico Pandemonium, the vampire princess of the the, Titty the Twister, amazingly <laughs> hot, exceptionally sexy, uh, yeah, had me squirming in my chair, Selma Hayek. <laughs> now and in 1996, uh, uh-huh. um, <laughs> and we also have—I don't know if you guys recognize Fred Williamson. He was Frost, the big black yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was—he was in a lot of like uh, black exploit. I don't know if they were necessarily black exploitation, oh, but a They're lot of the 70s. Movies. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I'm not well versed in that, so I didn't want to speak out of turn. Black exploitation okay. movies are amazing, <laughs> by the way. But yeah, he was in a lot of those. I need to see uh, more of them. Uh, they're get, amazing. They're, get the list out. Yep, there it is. And let me uh, let's see. Blackula's the next film. Done. Got it. Okay, moving on. But but yeah, like that. The, his his character like is a lot of like properly done scene chewery and overacting mm-hmm. in this movie. Oh, for and sure. Him, yes. Him, he's one of the best ones at it. I think he does a really good mm-hmm. job. Harvey he has Cart- a good balance. Yeah, Harvey Keitel kind of just plays it straight. But, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, he, but, he's Harvey Keitel, so he just does Harvey whatever. Keitel, man. I mean, but Harvey Keitel, man. remember, just, though, yeah. he's not the Harvey Keitel we saw in Reservoir Dogs. Well, no, not Right, at all. but I'm saying he's, he's an incredible actor. Yeah. And I think he, by far, is the best actor. I'm not saying there's not other good actors in this movie, but I feel like he's by far the best actor in this movie. And it really shows, like, every scene that he's in. When he says something, you can feel the weight of what he's saying or what he's doing. And I think he and Clooney um, add a depth to this movie that you wouldn't have if those two men wouldn't have been in those leading roles. Well, you, because you, this movie could have been really goofy. Yeah, you also in a wrong way. one other person who actually appears on the film. Probably oh, I'm not first. done. But um, go ahead. Michael Parks. I got a few more. Yes. Who plays Sheriff <laughs> Earl McGraw, which, interestingly mm-hmm. enough, is the same character from Kill Bill 1. Uh-huh. He was... Uh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. And he's also... That's I think cool. he's in uh, Planet Terror also. So yeah. he's... And he's... Michael Parks he also has plays been in a th- lot of uh, Tarantino films and a but, lot of Kevin Smith films as well. But what I'm saying is that he actually is the same character in the The same movies. character. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Because there's, yeah. t- there's time differential and, between them. Yeah. And I think he plays... I think he might play the same character in one of the sequels i can't remember because i think they flash back or something the sequels that's, are all prequels i don't remember actually. yeah yeah um that's right both danny, of them are Tre- danny trejo right. is in them as the same character you're right too. Well, they they well let, hold on they they have to be prequels because he dies at the beginning of the film spoiler alert well <laughs> that's what i was saying i i thought it had flashbacks yeah but he it said was an flashback, actual prequel. they're actually all prequels that yeah, take place i was thinking it was a flashback this movie but you're right and right. they because it's been forever since i've seen them but i've seen both of them and they're they're kind of entertaining if if you like this world and want to see more of it because the, the first one deals with, I think it's some bank robbers. They flee to Mexico and happen upon the titty twister. And then the third one is, I think it's called The Hangman's Daughter. Yeah. And it's all about Selma, uh, Hayek. Selma Hayek's character and how she came to be who she was. But um, I want to tackle a couple more people in the credits. Um, did you guys recognize the FBI agent yep. who that was? The one on TV? You mean, uh, uh, you mean Nancy's dad <laughs> from uh, uh, Friday the 13th? Or Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street? 
See, that's where you would know him from. I know him as Roper from Enter the Dragon. <laughs> yes. yes. Equally, I had both of those in my notes. John Saxon, if you don't know who we're talking about, he was the FBI agent on the television. And the newscaster that's um, interviewing him is Kelly Preston, who is the wife of John Travolta. Yeah. So that's sort of interesting. So on, on and, John Saxon, there actually was an article that came out recently. Uh, it, it could be a rumor. But it's talked about that he at one time had written a treatment right after uh, Elm Street One, where he was really? he actually had written a prequel that alluded to the fact that the Elm, Elm Street killings were blamed on Fred Krueger, uh-huh. and that Charles Manson and he, the Manson family actually committed them. Wow! And that if Freddy Krueger's attacks on everybody were uh, driven by a man that was completely innocent. Wow! Yeah, that would have been. I think would have been pretty interesting if they'd actually done didn't it didn't they do something like that with uh didn't they do a newer version yeah, of the remake with uh the guy did that oh what was the guy's name from um from uh, uh oh my gosh it's gonna kill me uh the comedian uh which comedian not the comedian that's the superhero's name uh from oh uh jeffrey dean morgan you know yeah. what the sad part was? When you said the comedian, I was going to jokingly make a joke about that, but you meant the <laughs> No, that's exactly what I meant. <laughs> anyway, uh, J- Jack... Oh, it's going to jump. Anyway, moving on. The idea is is John Saxon had written something like that, uh, and it would have been a cool film. Anyway, moving wow. along the line. I do... While, while we're on, uh, <laughs> on the subject of uh, those movies, there's a movie that's kind of takes the origins of that character to a different place in a weird way that I want to mention this movie, strange land. Have either of you seen it? Oh yeah. The full title is D Snyder's strange land. D Snyder wrote this movie and starred in it. It's a weird movie. Maybe we'll watch it sometime. We should. Cause horror, if you haven't seen that, Justin, that's a weird ass. movie. He has similar origins to Freddie. So yeah. anyway, we'll move on. Yeah. Well, so again, uh, let me say this. Like, like I've said for the past <laughs> several episodes, welcome to from the bone fault. We divert a lot. <laughs> we can, <laughs> yeah, we get caught up at the titty twister and miss our rendezvous. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, there were a couple of funny things I wanted to talk about um, that uh, we'll go into this a little bit longer at the end of the podcast. But there is a full length documentary that was made during the filming of From the Bone uh, From the Bone Vault <laughs> From Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> And it's called Full Tilt Boogie, and it's pretty easy to find. You can usually get it with a copy, a DVD copy of it. And um, one of the interesting things was at the end of the movie, when they exploded the titty twister, it wasn't supposed to catch fire because they hadn't finished filming there. So they had to take like a week off to repaint everything and get everything back together. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know why they didn't do that last. Maybe some sort of scheduling thing, but I thought that was pretty interesting. <laughs> um, and the movie itself, um, one of the the people's talking, uh, uh, I think it's a DP or someone, he's talking about how many shots uh, Rodriguez takes. And they had a 1,000 shots over 30 days for the first 30 days, which is a lot for a film. And... Uh, Another thing about the production of this movie is they went in and shot it with a non-union crew, which was a huge deal at the time. Um, really? So, yeah, they got a lot of uh, flack. back push from that. And, yeah, they got a lot of flack, and they had to stop production a couple times. But uh, I thought that was kind of interesting because um, in the future, when Sin City is made, uh, Tarantino and 
Rodriguez work together again, and they run into more issues because I, I didn't look up the details on this, so I could be getting it some of it wrong. But as I remember it, Rodriguez wanted to credit um, Tarantino for part of the directing because if you haven't seen Sin City, it's a series of vignettes from these Sin City comic books, and each one is directed by a different director, exceptionally uh, good, Tarantino and Rodriguez, and um, he wanted to properly. Uh, properly credit him but the uh director's guild or whoever it was wouldn't let him so he just basically left and was like bye and did his own thing and robert rodriguez kind of has this uh has this uh reputation for sort of being a rebel and doing things his own way because well, i mean, I mean the, fuck he's from texas yeah, so but i mean the thing is why wouldn't he <laughs> <laughs> the, the idea it's is what we do like when he a lot of the things rodriguez has had his name on have been just amazing I mean, there's just I, I I couldn't point a finger to something and say, well, that was a piece of crap. I mean, it's just he. Dude, he, I even break. like the Shark Boy and Lava Girl movies, like the Spy Kids <laughs> movies. I, I even like those. I'm serious. I'm a big uh, I'm a big fan of Robert. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, he makes on our podcast, quality please. stuff. I mean, yeah. He d- he does different work. He does very different than the normal. Yeah, work. And, very um, varied things. Even back then, before this was like, this is not a grindhouse movie like the way that the grindhouse movies were deliberately grindhouse. But even but it opened the door that, to it, and like before El Mariachi, and before what's the other movie called that he did with? Um, no, El Mariachi was before this. No, I, I meant sorry, Desperado. I, I meant Desperado before Desperado, and before the one he did with uh, Trejo, where he was uh, machete. Machete. There's a very like distinctly <laughs> like old film style to the the way the shots are. Oh, absolutely. Everything is very mm-hmm. yellow and very like warm tinted. And it, it, yeah, it, very brownish yellow. Like one of the things, like when they were riding in the camper, I was like, it just feels like hot. Like it looks yeah, right. Hot. He does that very Everything well. Everything looks like it's way too hot out there, and it's not. It's it's the kind of feeling that even if you're sitting in a cold room, you feel the heat just like <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, th- that this camper. entire film creates a visceral response out of the person watching it. From the yeah. from the opening of the film to the, that 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 bit of dialogue they have at the very beginning. Um, the, mm-hmm. the shift in tone when the Gecko Brothers come out and start barking orders at the guy, uh, to when things kick off, to when the family comes in, everything has this. You, you're you're engaged because it doesn't seem manufactured. It seems right. like this is legitimately things that people would say to each other, or or what you think a a the cool guy would be, you know, and how the cool well, guy mm-hmm. would talk. Well, that's, that's just Tar- Tarantino's writing all over. Like, that was the thing he was, that's what made him famous was the writing. Um, that's probably well, that and plastering dogs. his foot fetish all over everything he, he made. Well, too. yeah. <laughs> the Reservoir Dog stuff wasn't as popular probably because there's not very much showcase in that for the dialogue that Pulp Fiction had. Just the back and forth between characters. And this movie doesn't have it either, but it still has a lot of that. The very opening of the movie has a, has a good little monologue. And then mm-hmm. everything George Clooney says is just everything he says is hilarious. <laughs> and, yeah. Like hilarious in a like really mean, cruel way. Um, right. One of the first instances of him yelling at, at Richie uh, is, you know, they're talking about the word low profile. And he's like, let me say what low profile is not. Low profile is not taking girls hostage. It's not shooting police officers. It's not setting fire to a building. And bitch, like, you know, bitch, yeah, he's like, bitch, bitch, <laughs> bitch. And, and it, it's, it's even funnier because Tarantino's not a very good actor. He never has been. No. And well, he's to this day well, can't hold act on. very well. Hold on. Here's the thing, though. I would give that the performance he gave as Richie 
was really good because Rick, Richie was damaged. And the but here's the thing. I think that he wrote that character true. as damaged because of the fact he couldn't perform that well. Like well, it comes I mean, off, work to your strengths, yeah, right? It well, comes I mean, off better. I don't know if I agree with that, though, because you look at Pulp Fiction and look at the character he played when they came in and the line delivery he gave is just the mild-mannered white guy in his home. I mean, sure, play to your strengths. But the idea is, is I think the delivery of those characters was spot on. I, yeah, I, I, think I think that the tone Ter- of the movies lends itself to that, but inside a movie where he's not particularly in place, it doesn't work as well. Uh, Django <laughs> Unchained, for instance, it doesn't work as well there because he's yeah. not as in place. I'd agree with and that. And that terrible yeah. Australian accent also didn't help matters. <laughs> but, yeah. but I think that that's why they wrote Richie that way. And it's also, there's a lot of things, like uh, when you were off the, off the uh, mic earlier before we started, we were discussing how this, the movie just alludes to some things and lets them stand. There's not explanation for a lot of things. Like, early on, you see that Richie has a problem. Like, it's very, very early on in the movie. And you you understand that. No one really has to state mm-hmm. it well, or anything. And yeah, even when it is stated, kind of. But they didn't have to go into detail. They didn't have to give you, like, a psych profile. They didn't have to give you somebody on screen being interviewed. They simply said um, uh, his brother, uh, Richard Gecko, known, uh, uh, what is it, known sex arm robber and sex offender. And that's all you needed. Right. You got but those, see, that's, that's couple not a of words profile. And that's it. That, but you can be a sex offender and not be a lunatic the way he was. True. The way True. he the way he's a lunatic is more that he's hallucinating. He's right. He's not just like it's not just a sexual driven to do things. He's just driven the impulse of killing people. Yeah, he's of a maniac. Rape, yeah. of just yeah of mm-hmm. anything. And it's clear that Seth sees this and tries to keep him in in check. And it's almost like a George and Lenny situation where he knows yes, Lenny exactly. is, dam- is going to damage things or fuck things up. And he, mm-hmm. he, to a degree, cares about Lenny, but he also understands that just letting Lenny be is you know, going to that's, that was probably that's, an inspiration for these characters. Yeah. That's a really good point. I would say, Justin. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, yeah, I definitely get that feel in this movie. And, like, I'm thinking about some of the uh, performances and some of the editing as well, sort of lend give give some meat on those bones i guess i can't think how to say it but like i'm thinking about in the uh, rv the when RV. he's trying to talk to juliet lewis and he's he's trying to talk to her and he's very shy and demure and he's like hey did did you mean what you said earlier mm-hmm. and you know he he's trying to talk to her and he has to take his bit out and everything and it just makes him seem like a child which makes it more click like oh okay he's he's damaged such that he's stopped developing in certain ways and that well he's, then you said you, you know, said that again when they got to the titty twister and after George Clooney put Cheech Marin right. on his ass and he comes out and just starts kicking the shit yeah. out of him you know those are com- right. two completely Kick different the guy down. what I like right. about the scene with Juliette Lewis is that when she when when she first comes out and you you see her say that to him it's clear mm-hmm. it's a dream. But they want you to right. be extra sure when he asks again, and she's like, "What are you, what are you talking about?" And he keeps yeah. asking about it, and you know that it, it also paints a better picture of what happened earlier with the woman in the trunk. Exactly. When he starts being nice right. to her, and they kind of cut away, and you get this idea: okay, like he didn't he he could have murdered her because he did do something or try to get away, but you mm-hmm. you get more of a painting of oh no, this character is just violent like that, and when left without Seth right. to do something or watch over him. Because Seth is violent, but Seth is violent in a way of deliberateness that is, it's a necessary violence 
in terms of his criminality or whatever. He's, right. he's doing something right. as a criminal and has to shoot someone or has to do something, he'll do it. Well, he even says that. At one point in the movie, he says something about, like, I would just be a bank robber right now and a pretty successful one or something to that effect. If Basically, if he didn't have this albatross around his neck of his brother yeah. just dragging him down all the time. Right. And, but he still cares about him, yeah. even though he's his brother. And then you can, That's his you can weakness really almost. See, really see that in his, his take-charge attitude. And mm-hmm. like when they get to the day twister, it's really well. He's impulsive, but well, he's in his element too. To an at end, at that point, he be, you you see you you see he he's take charge, but you see, um, uh, Clooney's character, whose first name of that character, Seth, Seth. Uh, really comes into his own as soon as they step into those doors. When they get into Mexico, yeah, you see a distinct marked change in in. He's a little calmer. A little more, a little more there, and a little more himself, a little more jovial. Mm-hmm. But even then, for sure, yeah. Uh, Harvey Cartel has to tell him he's like, you know, you don't understand when you've won. When they first get there, he's still on edge, and he's yeah. still, he's yeah. still acting out, and he's not as bad as Richie because he does not, he's not so damaging that it's going to cause the cops to come down on them or whatever. Exactly. And, well, I mean, and to, I, to, talking about Cartel and um, Clooney a little more directly. <clears throat> The scenes where the two of them are together are some of the best dialogue in this film. Period. Them just talking to and each other and the best acting. And yes, I mean they're just just amazing watching them together. And you can see, I mean, when 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 Kaitel, when they're driving and uh, uh, Seth mm-hmm. is just kind of lounged out in this front seat and he's talking to him. Yeah, and he's just real laid back and he's a total irreverent asshole, but he's just talking to him. And I you mean, can see the strain on Kaitel's face when he's like, "I want to punch mm-hmm. this son of a bitch." And I love the exchange at the end when he's like, "You know, if he touches my daughter." I'm going to have to kill him. And he's like, well, that's fine. If you do anything to fuck this up, I'm going to kill your whole family. And they're just kind of like, okay. All right, good. We're on the same page. <laughs> and I love that exchange because they're both extremely tough men that care about their families. And I think that's one of the things that makes this movie so uh, entertaining and kind of gives it the heart that it has is these are two families that come together and don't really necessarily want to be together but they have to be together and for, you know, one family's end. But then when they get to the titty twister and everything goes south and the vampires come out, it goes up to another level and it's like, fuck, we're just all surviving now. I mean, right? And we've got to survive to together. And it's this thing oh. that develops over time. Go ahead. To speak on timing, Harvey Keitel's character, his age is probably within Vietnam. So it's probably also, there's probably a military mm-hmm. background because anybody that age would have to have been overseas fighting. But and they don't have to say that, but you kind of get the idea that he wasn't always a preacher. Um, mm-hmm. and oh, the, for sure. To speak on the the Richie thing, Richie does have some funny lines too. Uh, there's a line <laughs> where they're in the camper, and uh, Kate's like, "Where are you taking us?" And he goes, "Mexico." And she's like, "What's in Mexico?" And he goes, "Mexico." Mexicans. And just <laughs> just like so plainly, and just and and you know, we we we're really dragging our feet here because the movie kind of it is really two movies. There's a movie yeah. that's, that's yeah. a crime movie up until they get across the border. They get to the Titty Twister, and it, it, it seems like it's going to be like one of those, like, like raunchier crime movies. But then all of a sudden, is this turn The shit just where, goes south. Yeah. yeah. It just, it's like blood, 180. The, <laughs> the, the, they see, the vampires see the blood, and they start attacking everybody. And, I mean, really, yeah. they just kill everybody in that bar except for, like, five characters in a matter of so, minutes. Yeah, when you it's guys, just a total bloodbath. When you guys saw this film for the first time, did you did you see the previews ahead of it and know you were coming into? No, uh, a, my a brother showed film? it to me. Um, he showed it to me when I was a kid. And did he tell I, you there were vampires no, in the movie? No, 
He, oh, so you were totally the, surprised the, when I got the there. Way, the way he watched movies with me was that I would go to his house for the weekend or the night or whatever, and I'd spend time over there. And he would just put a movie in, and we'd sit down and watch it. And so I didn't usually ever get, like, oh, what's this movie about? Like, that's how I saw Pulp Fiction. That's how I saw Heavy Metal. That's how I saw this movie. And so oh, dude, when I started watching this <laughs> I, movie, I was like, oh, yeah, this is funny, you know? George Clooney's saying funny <laughs> stuff. And the other guy's being funny, too. And they're shooting stuff, and they blow that bar up. The bar scene is actually cool. Not the bar, the, uh, the gas liquor station. Store. Because the liquor store yeah. is the most over-the-top thing early in the movie. That yeah, it's a fire. pretty sick he action scene. It sets the tone. And then he right. falls in popcorn, and it starts popping. I mean, it's just cool as shit. Yeah. And so I was glued <laughs> to the movie from then, you know, and it's it's – it's tense. The whole movie is tense. Like they're in the RV together, and then you know mm-hmm. when you get to the to the bar, oh, they, oh, there's some titties out and this stuff's happening. And you know, you're a kid, so you want to watch. And then yeah. all of a sudden, it's like boom. Here's like this vampire thing <laughs> out of nowhere. Right. Not just it, vampires. Not just vampires. Like weird snake vampires. Weird like what are, fucking fucked up bad what are the vampires. Full body for the vampires. Vampires. Like, I think just whatever they see. Um, I was going to talk about this later, but I will talk about something that I saw in the uh, Full Tilt Boogie. Um, uh, Nicotero and I think his name is Berger. They were talking about the stuff that they brought to set, and they were like, "Well, we talked to Robert and talked about what he wanted." And we're like, "Okay, okay." So a few months later, we bring the stuff to set. We have all these weird costumes, and they even have weird stuff that didn't go in the movie. They had a, they had a vampire demon woman whose stomach opened up and bit a guy's head off. Actually, I think that's and in the movie, but she, that doesn't happen. It is the latter part. The of woman, it. Yeah. the woman's there in in the background when they're walking across the room to each other but that's when they sort of face off against each other yeah Yeah. and there was this one with a crazy tongue that licked this guy's face and stuck its tongue down his throat but um they brought all this stuff in and robert rodriguez was like wow this is some fucked up stuff where'd you get it and they're like well this is exactly what you asked us to make (laughs) like he had forgotten all the (laughs) stuff he told him but um yeah there's and there's even a scene i didn't really see it in the movie but there's one behind the scene shot of like this big furry like bat vampire yeah it's thing. it's briefly but I in there it. i think i think it's like okay. flying around there's like a lot of shit moving at that point why did and they then, cut right. those but they left the fucking weird da- uh, the dog uh, sex machine that fucking turns into dog the thing rat dog yeah, yeah. like but but so but, but so here's the other thing i thought that, that was like, cool it was cool but the, it's fucking weird the, it also had to deal with major characters so maybe the, the movie that. does like a spring up where it just becomes this other thing suddenly and a couple times yeah and, and, oh yeah and, i see what you're saying and, and yeah, that's yeah. that's the turn point where the second movie kind of begins and what's funny about it is that a lot of the characters you meet in the movie are just sort of bit parts that just like the reporter mm-hmm. and the fbi agent you expect those characters to come back because you were watching this crime movie they're going to solve the crime no exactly they're going to just go to this place there's going to be like snake vampires and shit and strippers and it's going to be like a bloodbath and mm-hmm. then it kind of turns into a sort of zombie movie almost. So they're building tools to fight vampires. And so it's a really weird film. And it kind of shows like Rodriguez's sort of amateurness. But it, this, that's something good about it is that it's not a normal movie. There is a, there is yeah. a sort of turn that you don't expect. Even the title doesn't really say anything. And I, what I was thinking exactly. earlier was that when they get to the Titty Twister, it's obviously a stone building. When you come inside, it's stone. You don't mm-hmm. think anything about that because it's just it's, yeah. the building is so weird already. Until and, that pull out at the yeah, end. And, and even, and, even and when Clooney comes in and he starts looking around and he goes, I can become a regular here. I love this yeah. place. Because that was one of the things that struck me was the set. Holy shit. 
Yeah. Can you imagine a bar like that? Well, I mean, the, the, I kind of wanted to go there the without all the like murders. Without the murdering, weird looking. All the murder. Strippers. Yeah, all the murder. The, no. the thing that me and Levi <laughs> were talking about when you were off the mic earlier was that that's the other thing that they they, they don't explain. It just kind of shows you and you, lets you figure it out at the end. Is that they yeah. do that pull out when they're when she's going back <laughs> to the RV and you see that it's an Aztec Uh-oh. temple. It's and a temple. That's all the backstory you needed for that place. Human that sacrifice. Ha- human right. sacrifice, Aztec temple. And it, mm-hmm. it, it kind of just explains it. To, they don't need to go into some in-depth, these are children of Dracula or whatever, you know, backstory mm-hmm. they needed for well, it. Well, they even play on that in the film when they have kind of a quiet moment and Harvey Keitel's like, okay, what do we know about these things? And they're all saying all this stuff and <laughs> he's like okay stuff you didn't see from movies he goes well how much did think... we not see in movies or just read somewhere and then they they do the whole thing about it's still <laughs> a for... real book yeah it's so been for... a real book it's like, yeah, it's it's like a time thing? life book yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they go they go it's, it's silver one of those things and then he's like that's just werewolves no silver bullets are but the silver and then julia julia yeah julia, julia does anybody like... have any silver then why are we talking about it <laughs> no and i think it was tom savini like the kid was like, "Look, we have uh, crosses everywhere," and I think it's Tom Savini that says, "That's right, Peter Cushing did that." Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I thought that was a good line for him to have. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of there's a bunch Let, of weird. Let's shit. take a second and look at that though. Look at these characters. I mean, beyond the 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 primary cast, we talked Clooney and and uh, Tarantino mm-hmm. death, but Tom Savini in this movie was awesome. Sex Dude. machine was fucking. I love his awesome. gun, man. His gun, <laughs> his double barrel, his, uh, that his was penis amazing. gun, amazing. His penis gun, and uh, yeah, it's Loved so it. funny when that guy jumps on him and he sort of screams and it pops up. <laughs> he shoots the guy and, and he flies across the room. I also say, knowing so that good. knowing Tarantino wrote this, that that mm-hmm. foot drinking scene was just in there so they could put someone high foot oh, in his God. Mouth. Oh, absolutely. Like, that absolutely. was 100%. And I was like, and I'm not going to blame him for it. Like, that was, they, that's <laughs> his credit as writer. He got paid so low for this, you know, whatever. I'm curious if that was Selma Hayek's foot, because now that I think about it, I don't know that they it have was. a full... It was. Well, I don't face. know if they've had a full frame shot of her If it wasn't, they did. if it wasn't, it's better sure. better editing than they did anywhere else, because there's a shot... There's a shot where her foot comes out of her uh, out of his mouth, and she brings her leg up, and the camera mm-hmm. doesn't really cut, it just sort of pans up a little. And she licks her mm-hmm. leg. So if yeah. they did do it some other way, they had to do some real hard editing. And then even yeah. if it's not her foot in that scene, when she pours the liquor in her mouth and spits it in the head, yeah, that's, that's got to be her. Because she's right on camera her. with them. Yeah. Well, it, it, talking about the editing, though, a question I have for you guys, and it's actually in one of, one of y'all's notes. Um, when you talk about how Tarantino looked after he vamped out, why did we oh. see... We had a couple of scenes... So the va- first off, let's get this out of the way. The vampires were not consistent. Okay, I get it. Sure, there was different levels of mutation no and change and weird shit. There's no rules. They All just right. wanted monstery stuff. Right. Yeah. No rules. Well, when just you right. look, when you, no rules. Just <laughs> right. Titty twister. Uh, when you when you look at Tarantino, there's a shot of him with big old weird Frankenstein face. Yeah. And then he's there and he's I'm I'm Tarantino vampire. But then there's this one shot where he kind of looks like Richie again for a second, but with weird eyes and the teeth. Yeah. That one shot. And then that's they Clooney is looking think, at him. I think that that is a, I think that they they had different stages because there's a time well, where some of them no, have. I, well, yeah. I think what that was honestly was George Clooney, or excuse me, Seth 
seeing Richie because that's that's how I interpret it this time oh, because yeah. previous times I had watched it I thought that he turned back for a second but watching it this time they I think I'm pretty sure they cut from Seth to Richie at that point and I think that's Seth seeing Richie there and he yeah. he sees the eyes so he knows that he's changed but he doesn't see this weird Frankenstein head he sees his brother and he's like well shit something's happening to him and then you so see the moral dilemma this is and it. finally exactly oh, no, I mean, that's I, how I interpret I, it and I could be right because I, I, I think it happens to someone else too I want to say it happens in the second when? scene for a second where his face is normal again. Because they have to be able to change back and forth. I mean, we see Salma Hayek That's not with true. a snake head. So I think that they have different levels of it where they're, they're, they're like, yeah, cause, you know, even, of control. Yeah, even on Buffy, like, you know, they didn't always have the rumply face thing. Yeah, they talk about inconsistent. Out. That was inconsistent as well. well yeah. it, <laughs> sometimes it, they needed it for strength, sometimes they didn't. It, it was weird. No, the rules were pretty pretty set in stone. They needed it for strength, and when they were drinking blood, it would happen. But it wouldn't happen like if they got hit or were angry. It was a control thing. It would it would come out. If they lost control, it would come out. Right. Hmm. But I'm saying on Angel, it got a little inconsistent, and he got beat up when he was. Well, I think what happened like on Angel humans. was more that they didn't want to spend the effects money, which also might have happened here. Mm. There might have been true. two separate days Good where they point. were shooting, and they didn't want to because that those That's effects true. were really weird that. sometimes. Like especially yeah. on um, Sex Machine and um, uh, man, Williamson. he's like this mangled like dog bat thing yeah, is weird and really, then he turns into the rat like really good but Williamson, his face, yeah his hands were cool Williamson's i love that face scene was where almost he's... like a scream mask like it was stretched who down, that sort of frost who's that frost. frost oh frost yeah with that weird mouth frost. Yeah, was <laughs> yeah, i was ready for him to jump out dude somebody needs to cut that together if only we had an editor on the show that could just, do that. yeah like mm. just like like <laughs> get get the thing where he yells frost and then frost. one of the scenes where he jumps out as a vampire <laughs> and like lands on something or when he just spreads i love something i didn't get until the second or third or maybe fourth time i watched the movie because i was kind of thick um was um, when Frost throws Sex Machine through the door, oh, like he was in the process thing? of his uh, transformation, so he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna let all these other, you know, ghoulies in." I, I didn't get that until like the second or third time I yeah, watched I, it. Yeah, I when I first watched it, the first time I saw it, I yelled out, "Why did he do?" And then when he turned and looked uh, at you and he was changed, I went, oh, <laughs> "Right, yeah, okay, yeah, that happened a lot quicker." Well, and he like, was bitten in the neck, he's right, as opposed to the arm, like right. Savini. Yeah. And I did, I did love that scene where Savini starts turning. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, post like vampire stuff. Other than the the the, the exchange end. with Carlos, right? It was pretty um, comedic too. It actually is where he he's starting to turn and like he his teeth come out, so he covers his mouth, and then his hand gets longer, so he covers it with the other hand, he, he and then his fingers get longer, and he puts him behind his back, and well, he just keeps. There's, there's another up. really good scene when they're when when they first get to the point where like everybody's dead except for them. And they're <laughs> like, so what say. are we going to do? And so Seth is like, no, nah, I don't want to hear anything about I don't believe in vampires because I don't fucking believe in vampires, but I believe right. my own two eyes. And what I saw is fucking vampires. Now do we all agree we're dealing with vampires. And like, <laughs> like it's just very just matter of the fact, like, look, don't, no one say this. I don't believe this. I don't want to hear any of that shit. And like, it's funny because he says yeah. that. And it's one of those things in a movie where, it's it it it's one of the things that takes up time in a movie if they do it yeah. and it seems realistic. Right. But if you can override it in some way and go, okay, these characters have come to terms with this already. How are they going to mm-hmm. handle it? And right. that was a good way to kind of bridge that. 
<laughs> well, before that, one of the scenes that made like I that I still don't understand is why did the band explode? Oh, yeah, that like, was weird. There's something weird about when they're biting someone and they get shot, they blow up because it happens but to nobody, the sun. Nobody, too. they didn't fire at him. Nobody fired. A gun. Oh, no, they no. did. If he you look like, in the background, there's a beam of light that's coming down like the sun was shining to the roof. What? But it was so night. I, it was night by it, that point, though. It was still night. It was. Right? Yeah. Was the sun set? Because he just says he goes. Because because yeah. Sex Machine goes. Now let's kill that fucking band. And the leader, who is uh, Tito something or other, it was Tito and the Tarantula. Yeah. That was a band. Angry Tarantula. But he goes, "Fuck you, everybody. Good night." And the, it's just like explode. Explode. Did they like did at first? I was like, "Oh, they like transform or some shit." Bamfed away or something. No, they were like done. They're like they poof, were. Do- yeah. Blammo, we're and it was weird because I don't think there were pieces, but they did. I don't know. It must have just been a weird practical thing where they just took them out of screen and made something explode, and it just looked weird. Because I don't think you see, like, bits and pieces of them flying. Well, um, remember, they had bits I'd and pieces watch of again. other people that they made instruments out of. Well, which, that's true. Which that's happens instantly badass. because it's right after the <laughs> right. beginning of the vampire stuff. They just have a dude's, like, torso and junk out. And he's, <laughs> for a, for a guitar. Yeah, it shoved up his, shoved up his, his yeah. where his genitals would be. Yeah. I, I, like, yeah. I, I wrote on here on the notes, <laughs> what are the rules for vampires in this film? Because well, there are none. There, there are none. none. The rules are whatever the looks cool in that moment. Can we make this ball exactly. up? Exactly. Can like and you know they which I'm cool. They with. did say that the green blood thing was not really a thing they wanted to do, but Rodriguez was like, if I don't do green blood, this movie would be NC-17. So he Why? did it to avoid. Oh, no, 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 really? Because there's can, a ton of regular blood in this film. But it's not like you can hit a level of blood to where you will get NC-17 automatically. Taxi Driver had the same problem. They had to keep on um, in that movie. They actually didn't change the blood color. What they did was desaturate the movie until the film board just didn't realize there was a lot of blood. Like they really? they kept didn't... showing them the same cut. There's yeah, some crazy it. shit people have done to get by the film board in the years. Desaturating hmm. blood. One one director I can't remember who it was went down the halls when they were moving and stole their film rating thing out of the movie. Like he cut it out and spliced <laughs> it in his own film. And they never saw the movie. They just they didn't check it, and it went to print like that. Wow. <laughs> That's, That's amazing. Some shady shit. <laughs> yeah, but this movie, this movie would have been NC seventeen because back then they were they were big about that. Showgirls had it. Um, Jane yeah. Silent Bob Strike Back almost was the same way. Like from around the mid nineties to the early two thousands, you could get NC seventeen for shit like this. Yeah. And before we move on, I want to talk about one more credit that I forgot to talk about. Um, is the music? I've always thought the music. Oh, the music was very music cool in this movie. Yeah. And I I had the soundtrack, um, which had all the um, like popular music that was on it, as well as the uh, score, which was actually written by Graham Ravel. I don't know if either of you recognize that name. I don't, know, that, that I don't name. know the name. What's he famous for? Well, uh, a few little movies called The Crow. Oh, is that it? Um, he did a bunch of horror movies that aren't that great. But huh? um, he also did one of my favorite movies, Suicide Kings, which is... Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah. And so he did The Crow. He did Spawn. Uh, he did some, uh, I think, Bride of Chucky. So, he did Pitch Black. So what you're saying is he killed Brandon Lee. Ooh, <laughs> man. Ooh. That's why we got Brandon and Lee just like that, just like that, Justin <laughs> alienates yet another part of our viewing audience. The people who are upset Brandon Lee died, I don't know who the yep. people are. I mean, I'm not saying it's good that he died. I'm saying that he died. The Graham Ravel yeah. fans that are mad that you there think you he go. killed yep. him. Did he kill Brandon right. Lee? But, um, he also came back to do the Planet Terror music in Grindhouse, 
and most recently awesome. he's done a few episodes of Gotham. So I, I was pretty he, cool. And he's kind of known for his scores that are darker, a lot of his stuff. I would say that there's um, a problem with some of the music in the movie. It's actually like it's distinctly bad in some parts where in this film yes like what do you mean there's two times i can think of distinctly when the when the first vampire scene happens and they're biting everybody there's this real like hard dun 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 music and then that same thing happens again later on and it just it it's too loud oh you mean like the orchestration kind of stuff yeah and see i liked that a lot and see i i thought i don't like it like i here's one of the things about me in movie music and people will argue this back and forth if a score is really good and just slips into a film and becomes part of that film, like Guardians of the Galaxy, cool. But when a movie, when a film, when a score distracts from what's going on, I'm not okay with that. I'd rather it just not even be a thing I noticed if it's going to be. And that no, but way. I think part of it was to show the dichotomy between some of the other music they use. Because yeah. when you go from that boodle exactly. wah to that to the uh, um, the the band because they had a lot of electric out. guitar. Yeah. yeah, I think and they also had a lot of to be very jarring. I guess yeah. that, that could be and true. I, and also, if you look at who worked on this movie and sort of the, the, the feel that they're going, you know, with having Tom Savini in the movie and having a lot of people that were in, you know, movies from the 70s and the 80s, I think they wanted to invoke that feeling of big, you know, not big, but monster movies from the 70s yeah. that were over the top yeah. and, and I, had that sort of orchestrated music. And like Gil says, it's a great uh, contrast to... It's it's just like the movie itself. It's a great contrast, just as the movie, the first you know hour and ten minutes of it is this one gritty crime movie, and then the, the last, last part, part of it is this insane over-the-top monster vampire movie. They did the same thing with the music, and I kind of liked that because... It it invoke that sort of orchestration invokes those horror movies in a way that you couldn't if you use different music. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I was gonna say that I don't I don't think we mentioned this yet. The car they're using is a 1968 Mercury Cube, uh, Cougar XR7, and the car kind of really? features prominently in the beginning of the movie because it's such an old, out of date sort of car. It's very it's very distinctly out of date. Man, I kind of wish they would have had like when you bring the RV into it, that was the the remembered car of the film. Like, yeah, of course, yeah, okay, Clooney and and uh, and Tarantino are in a pretty bitching car at the start of the film. But like the you remember too, the RV. The Cougar is too distinctive a car to hide in, I think also is another problem. But what's funny about it is when I saw that car and just like thought about the movie, this was early on when the car was still there. <laughs> I mentioned the supernatural thing to someone else. So I was like, I was about to say, is, I thought you were going to draw yeah, a parallel there. <laughs> this is basically like a supernatural style, like the TV show so, Supernatural Origin. Didn't they make Hunter a TV Origin show about for this Clooney's movie? Character. Huh? Didn't they make a TV show? Like a the TV Dawn show about this movie show? is not is not connected to the movie it is a retelling and it goes further than that they recast everybody it's a retelling it's good from it what any I've heard. Good? it's really okay. good from what i've heard um yeah i've heard it's the girl decent. who played the julia lewis character is really cute and she's from san antonio also maybe we right, ought to um maybe we ought to uh maybe as a follow-up to this see about uh maybe in a couple of episodes coming back and watching just a handful of those because we we've Levi said he saw it, it but I, I think it'd be hard to watch because it's it. very distinct like so I read the episode summaries for the beginning of it, and it's like the first episode is basically the first like hour and a yeah. hour of this movie, and the second episode is basically like 
the next 30 minutes. Like, they kind of introduce both sets of characters. Then they bring them together in the third episode. So it's very slow and drawn out, which might not be a bad thing considering how the movie kind of has that breakneck pace and that hard turn in the middle. But it it goes more into a mythology and it goes more into the background of the characters. And it did seem pretty interesting. Um, It is on Netflix at the moment. so Yeah, maybe maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll come back to it. That'd be fun. And I, I think that that was one of the one things I was like, oh, yeah, I need to make sure I mention that. And I also wanted to look at, look, like, to say that the um, the actual movie itself, like, there was some stuff about it we had, we had, I kind of shared before the show. Um, the Ezekiel 2517 speech from Pulp Fiction that Jules is famous mm. for saying was meant to be in this movie, spoken by Harvey Keitel's character. Um, basically, when he's repeating those lines about the uh, about about a man in the dark, as he's walking around with the shotgun with the, with the baseball bat in it, that was meant to be there. He was supposed to be saying that oh. verse there, which actually oh, fits wow. a lot better when you think about it. I don't know why it wasn't yeah. there. I wonder if Tarantino was like, ah, oh, I'll just save this for my other movie. And then, um, <laughs> well, he might have had he may have dog eared both for those parts and thought yeah. that he really wanted to keep because I mean because if you took if you would have taken away that speech from uh, Jules from uh, the, the Pulp Fiction, man, that's iconic to that film. Well, him going and through that. isn't Harvey Keitel? Harvey Keitel plays in Reservoir Dogs. He's Mr. Wolf. Uh, in, yeah. in Reservoir Dogs, he's Mr. I can't remember his color, but, but he's, yeah, he's one of the guys. Is he white? But uh, he's he's Taren- He's um. Tr- uh, oh, he's, Trevino's He's brother. Tarantino? No, no, no. Um, what's his face? Now I forgot. The guy who's with Jules all the time. Um, Travolta. Travolta. I was, I was, Vincent. Yeah, he's Vincent's brother. Vincent Vega. Yeah, he's the other Vega. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And so I kind of, I, I kind of wish it was the same character. Like I wish they had found some way to make him the Vega character in. The, but Vega dies in Reservoir Dogs, so. But um, I was going to say that he dies in both movies. Both Vegas died back-to-back in those movies. Mm. He was Mr. White. Actually, no, you're thinking of Michael Madsen. You're right, Michael Madsen. Was Vic Vega. Vic Vega. He, was Vic, he was the same character, s- supposedly. I think. No, no, Vic Vega's Vic his Vega. brother, because he mentions his brother uh, did a job with some people in Pulp Fiction. Um, oh, so the other, I thought they were the, the same. The other character. thing is that um, there's some other connections to Pulp Fiction here and just other movies in general. Big Kahuna Burgers. When they come back uh, to the hotel <laughs> after um, Seth has killed the girl, not Seth. Oh, after Richie's killed big, the girl, those are, big, those those are the big are, Kahuna are Burgers. Big Kahuna that they're burgers? Eating. I didn't know that. And the, the beer they're drinking in the bar is Chongo beer, which is in Desperado a lot. Um, Damn, uh, I love those movies. Desperado, Desperado, Desperado is a perfect movie. It's perfect. I don't, I don't know how, how better. It it's just a really, it's. It, I, I feel like people, people probably hate this about me saying this, but I feel like Desperado should get the credit that like something like Scarface gets because Scarface is such an uneven movie and Desperado is yeah. that same level of gore and violence, but it's very evenly done. And the, the, the good guy feels like a good guy. And I, it, it just, yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you and never it's feel like you're rooting for the, for the bad guy because you feel like with this movie that the only thing I could say about Clooney is that if they had found some way to either replace Clooney with, uh, uh, what's his face, um, Banderas, or if they had made the Seth character like and him brothers, like okay, instead of Richie being Tarantino, it's Banderas. That would have been amazing, just like an amazing movie. Oh my god, I don't know, man, because because you look at you or look just at, set, at 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 um, George Clooney in this role. By the end of the film, the guy who's a a hard ass 
uh, gunslinging thief is now somebody who's got a taste of the supernatural and you see this this evolution of the character by the end like him taking the jacket off and you see this kind of difference of character because he didn't take the jacket off mm-hmm. through the whole film till the very end when you see him take it off and you, you almost see like he's shedding a skin you know I, I, I want to cut uh, I want to cut of this movie where they remake it and it's it's the desperado character is there with them like he just comes to the bar on a whim right and they're mariachi meets them because, there <laughs> because there is a part where Juliet Lewis Seth opens mariachi. Yeah, she opens that um that that small casket up and there's a crossbow in it for some reason. And I I, yeah. I thought of Desperado. I was like, you know, there's that the the guitar cases that became such a big deal. And you know, the guitar mm-hmm. case that, that um El Mariachi actually has is like a spring loaded thing. Like you can hit yeah. the top of it in a certain way and it will open up real quick and toss a shotgun out and you can just catch it. And like that would have been a really cool fucking thing to see because that guy always carries around like 14 so, guns. When you talk about the weapons, though, um, that those weapons actually kind of bothered me, if I'm being honest. Oh, they're terrible. You, they're terrible weapons. You look at the, the whole litany of weapons, specifically the jackhammer stake. That's the worst ex- idea ever. exceptionally heavy, gas-dependent, and would get, and would get stuck. stuck. It gets yeah, stuck. And what's funny is that yeah. the vampires in the movie, they don't seem to worry that it gets stuck. They just kind of like dance around like putties from Power Rangers in the background <laughs> well, while he kills I had other a point vampires. About that actually, because I think I think there's a reason that they go all feral at the end. It's, uh, they they I think uh, uh, Selma Hayek's character was more the leader, and I think well, the other characters were the lieutenants. I, I think it's so more by the point that they get into the film, they get to literally the mindless bats, the mindless. Well, I think they might have been sleep and blood deprived. That's what I kind of took from it. They didn't seem to have like form. But what I wish they would have done to explain why they didn't just jump on his back and attack him was have him just draw a cross on the back of the jacket so that it was like they don't oh. attack him from the back because he's got a cross on his back and they won't approach. So that's why when he has his back to them, they just kind of flail around in the background in the distance. Um, oh, that would have been cool. Nah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. You know what bothered me the most, though? What? Was the friggin' condoms. <laughs> Those were the flimsiest condoms well, in the history of the world. Condoms. I mean, what do you want? Well, they, that's true. Number one, they were <laughs> that maybe they were novelty. They were condoms. like bulk condoms. Number one, number two, they were also like blown up bigger than they should have been, so they might have popped these here. Yeah, but condoms are made to, to hold not, liquid and not. Th- that's burst. how they test yeah. them, if I'm not mistaken, is that they they blow yeah, them I mean, up or something. You can actually like that's the point. They don't. You break. can actually realistically get your whole head into a condom sometimes. Like, <laughs> right. I would recommend it. Do oh, not yeah. do you that. can die. The, but the one that bothered me the, the most. The one weapon I did get behind was the water gun with holy water in it. That was awesome. That would have mm-hmm. actually been a, a great thing. The, the crossbow, crossbow too. The repeat. It's a repeating no, crossbow. Sure, but like she didn't use it. Like, you see her jump up there and, like, kind of angle around for a minute, take a shot. And, like, it seemed like her shots were a little too erratic. You know what I mean? I mean, she didn't get Well, I mean, she'd never used shot. it before, so. That's true. That's true. I mean, but I don't think she, it didn't she seem. She was. It didn't seem And like she, was she was playing, like, a 15-year-old right. or something. That's the other thing is uh, Juliette Lewis, when she made this movie, was, like, 23. Really? And she was playing, like, a 15-year-old. Yeah. I thought she was super younger. Okay. Well, no, this, this no. is after she Natural looks Born Killers super and young. shit. Yeah. Oh, this is post Natural Born Killers. I think so. She still looks pretty young, though. I mean, yeah, she yeah. had a rock band after this. I mean, she did a lot of shit. Yeah. Um, and one thing, while we're talking about her um, and how young she looks, um, I wanted to talk about the end of the movie because I was kind of reminded of a scene in Sin City when uh, Seth and what was her name, Kate, are talking, and and she kind of wants him to come with her and and be together. You can tell. 
and he says something like, I may be a bastard, but I'm not a fucking bastard. Right. And there's a line in Sin City with, uh, uh, crap. Marv. What's his name? Marv? It's not Marv. I don't think that says it. It's, uh, uh, Bruce Willis's character. I can't remember his name, but he's talking oh, to yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. the stripper and he says something like there's wrong and there's wrong. And then there's this basically saying that he can't be with this, this young woman. Um, and uh, anyway, that just kind of reminded me of that scene in that movie, which Quentin Tarantino didn't write Sin City, but um, I thought it was interesting that those characters well, had a similar exchange. Just say he didn't write Sin City. Quentin Tarantino and R- Rodriguez are very clearly very influenced by each other. It's pretty... Well, Frank Miller wrote Sin City. I mean, but they're all influenced by each other. Like, Frank Miller... Right. Frank Miller's style in comic books and stuff is very Tarantino-esque in its darkness and its grittiness. And who's to... Right, and who's to say Tarantino wasn't influenced by him? Because all that stuff was written in, like, the late 80s. I sent a picture. That is the girl that plays uh, the Juliette Lewis character in the TV show. Ah, okay. I didn't see much about everybody else. For you people at home, she has blondish, reddish hair. She just stepped out of Uh, a pool. We'll we'll pop it in the show notes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) she she actually doesn't look (laughs) anything like her. But that also that uh, I think that's a bad example too because there's a there's something with a pool full of blood in this uh, show Ugh. and she was in the pool I think before <laughs> that wow. and in the sun her hair looks like that but her hair is like really dark brown or something, um, but they they man, they actually check the uh, show the Harvey, out, man. I want to see what that was the Harvey Keitel part is played by um, someone else really big and I looked it up but I forgot who it was. I'm actually going to pull it up really quick right now because I'm on IMDb, as we always all should be. So that's what we do here <laughs> is we read our IMDb to people who listen to us. Um, <laughs> it, Harvey Keitel's character <laughs> is played by, um, uh, not Jake Busey. No one wants that to happen. Um, <laughs> that would be well, Jake Busey's in the show, but he's not the Harvey yeah. Keitel character. And I was like, so is, Robert uh, Patrick, fucking the T-1000. Uh, <laughs> Wait. In the TV show? Wow. He was in the sequel. Was he? That's disgusting. He was was a character in the sequel. Oh, man. Because there's... So so I guess I'll talk about the sequels right now. I saw them a long, long time ago. But the first one, uh, like I said before, is about a a group of bank robbers who make their way there. And there's, you know, law enforcement following them. Um, And James Parks plays Deputy McGraw. So I'm sure that's supposed to be... Uh, wasn't that the name of the sheriff? The one at the very beginning of the movie? Um, Michael Park. Oh, well, Michael Parks or the name of the character? The name of the character. Oh, man. I had it written here. I don't know. McGraw. Yeah, McGraw. it's the same, yeah. the same name. I mean, so they, maybe they really transport good. every character. Oh, yeah. McGraw's his brother, I think they say on the thing. But they, they okay. try to make some hmm. connections to those movies, too. But some of the some of the other actors in the first sequel, Robert Patrick plays Buck. He's kind of the main character. Um, Raymond Cruz, which we've actually mentioned on the show in Gremlins Two, he plays Tuco Salamanca in uh, Breaking Bad. He plays Jesus, who I remember one scene in the movie where one of the rednecks keeps calling him Jesus in a very racist way. Hmm. Um, that's one of the few things I remember. Um, Danny Trejo as Razor Eddie. Um, yeah. And, oh, and also Bruce Campbell's in it for a bit, hmm. which is weird. It's funny. Um, <laughs> it's funny because Danny Trejo actually makes a jump to the show also. He's a character called The Regulator who... Wait, 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 wait. 
I'm looking at the notes. His character in the first sequel is called Razor Eddie. I think they're his brothers. character in the next sequel is Razor Charlie. Yeah, he, he, I think they're brothers. I think <laughs> Razor hilarious. Charlie is the same wow. person from the bar, and Razor Eddie is like his twin brother or some shit. That's Jeez. hilarious. Okay, it's been forever since I've seen these. By the way, the the Fuller family we're talking about. Scott Fuller is an actor mm-hmm. who is in No Holds Barred, and he did his long stint on Supernatural as a as an angel. Scott Fuller <laughs> is also the Asian kid's name, and um, one of the funny things. Wait, wait. Yeah, his name is Scott Fuller, right? Is, oh, I'm thinking of Kurt Fuller, am I? The Kurt Fuller? I was going to say, that's not the actor's name. <laughs> yeah, that makes more sense that way. I was going to say the this other has thing. This is Justin Tangent moment. The, uh, the other funny thing about this is that in the show, everybody just gets hotter. Like the uh, the the son Scott. In what way? Like the son Scott is like this, like more attractive. Yeah, you he's mean? Just like an age, he's yeah. Like a, well, I mean that's going to happen. Well, right? not necessarily. That's going to happen. Yeah, I mean nowadays, if if you're making a TV show. More often than not, if you're recasting something the, from the, the big one twenty is, uh, or thirty years ago, Carlos yeah. is played by Wilmer Valarama from uh, that '70s show, and really? yeah, <laughs> and he's in like twenty-three episodes, so he's there like most wow, of he's. the show. They should have just had Cheech Marin. I mean, honestly. So, I mean, real quick, did it, 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 bringing it back to something Boneville related? <laughs> did we make a Star Wars, or Star Wars, or Star Trek, or Star Trek connection with this film at all? Uh, fuck, Same is there thing. one? Oh. If there Star is Star Trek, no, yeah, is there a Star Trek connection? Because yeah. we've made. Are like, you asking or? Do I mean, you we know can pull, no, we can pull one out of our ass if we really want. <laughs> I mean, I'm not joking. There's there's got to be someone in this show who was connected to Star Trek in some I'm way. I'm seriously tracking. Well, my brain I'm searching on IMDb one. right now. <laughs> seriously so trying we'll to figure out. one out. I mean, you brought it up, so I guess we got to talk about it on. I mean, I'm well, serious. I mean, how like, many we're 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 over what five, six films? I'm trying to think of Star Trek stuff. Um, and it can't Star be some bit part neither, because we didn't have any bit characters that were part of this. I mean, we had major players. Let's try the next generation first. I mean, I'll say you said Star Trek or Star Trek. Wait, wait, wait. Star Trek. Yes, yes. Who? Are you kidding? Hit it! Hit it! No, it's not a major. Okay, we've got a few hits, but. <laughs> Okay, um, Mark Lawrence. He played... This just in, guys. Our our Star Trek connection moment. Levi coming to you directly he... from the field. So he played the guy that played the old hotel owner that was like when he was oh, ringing bell, the bell yeah. so much. Um, he was in an episode of The Next Generation as uh, Volnaf. Episode is called The Vengeance Factor. Wait. I mean, it's a connection. I know what you're talking about. I think. Oh, okay, that's a little tenuous, though. I don't know. If that's I not that tenuous. You asked for it, Gil. <laughs> that's not that tenuous. You, I, you pulled this I, out I, of I nowhere, because, so I came up I with that because I, pretty quick. I, uh, every time someone mentions Next Generation, I think of that fucking episode where those people speak in references, and how <laughs> it's just the stupidest shit. Where they're just like Timba, his arms wide. It's like, what? What does that fucking mean? What are you talking? <laughs> like Picard's like visibly mad. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, he, shit. <laughs> he just wants to say that. Which, by the way, since we're tangenting, um, I just followed two Twitter accounts. One is Riker googling, and another <laughs> Wait, one is Riker what? Googling. Googling. Oh my god. And it's just like phrases, <laughs> and. <laughs> It's hilarious. You should check it out. And kind of sad with what's happening in the world. But I, I was um, going to say that I also, uh, me and Greg this week discovered a, a new thing about Star Trek. Uh, Janeway was cast as a Canadian, French-Canadian actress at first. They shot the first episode with her, and they uh, let her go. 
and they have a cut online of that episode with her, and it's like a side-by-side comparison. It is god-awful. Um, <laughs> she's just very muted, very non-authoritative, and it's, you know... A different actress, or yeah, is it the different same? actress. Oh, okay. And, okay. For, and for a character like that, you've got to have someone who's very, like... Janeway was just yeah. like one of my favorite captains. She's she's just a horrible person. She's I would never want to we work to, on her um, ship, but I would I would kidding, I like her. <laughs> all kidding aside, all kidding aside, we do need to we do need to pull some Star Trek in and go over that a little. We bit. We need to so watch we'll, we'll one, one episode of every show. Um, that would be fun. Like, that would be a lot of fun. Well, not every show. I'm not watching any Enterprise. Cut that. We draw the line right <laughs> fucking there. Um, but I mean, like you know, line in the sand. Original show, well, we ha- Deep Space hey, Nine, hold, Next hold, Generation. Hold on. Well, they hold have on. a new sand. one coming out. Line so we in, can do it. Hold time. on. Here's a connection. Line in the sand. There was sand, and from dusk till dawn, the movie we watched. Let's go back to that. So. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, we watched. That was the, a you guys, really awful connection you just made. It was really bad. It was the only way I could bring I'm us confused. back. It was the only way I could bring us back to to the discussion at hand. Jeez, I was gonna say, I want to say someone else is in that show in this movie too, though. <laughs> it's the rest of the night. Harvey Keitel. Yeah, where you reach for things. Keitel? I think, think so. Keitel, what about? It wouldn't surprise me if Keitel was on I think on he was. Three. I want to say I remember him being there. I'm going to look for that while we're talking about I have no knowledge of this. Well, I have IMDb. I have no knowledge oh, of Oh, I, I do want to talk about the music just a little bit because, uh, actually, I just want to mention that they play Stevie Ray Vaughan, which is fucking cool. They play oh, yeah. Mary Had a Little Lamb at one point. No. What? Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, Mary you didn't hear that? It was blatantly in the background, a live version. That's Stevie Ray Vaughan. That's Stevie Ray Vaughan. That's who I'm talking about. Are you fucking kidding? I didn't even catch that. They play Stevie Ray Vaughan and, uh, shit, what's his brother's name? Wow. Nobody knows? You guys are horrible Texans. We really are. We're ter- just we're horrible. <laughs> You're not even a Texan. I'm a transplant, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I forget about that. You're not one of us. <laughs> one You're of posing. Us. Poser. You're our neighbors to the east. So almost got that direction wrong. I think with all that <laughs> craziness and tangenting out of the way, guys, I think we've pretty much covered the film and a yeah, few other so. things. I, I will so say I think this now really let's kill quick. that fucking band. <laughs> I will say this. I don't like how IMDb tells you your recent views. That's just a little embarrassing sometimes. I know. It's, it's like, like what you went from dusk till dawn at? to like Brian Blessed to what the fuck is that? Like, no, don't look at we'll, it. Just, we'll have to have an episode of uh, Graveside Chat where we just go through our IMDb history and oh see my what the God, hell that would be hysterical. We just read our Google yeah. search history to people. No, oh, I don't know about Penis that. Penis scares me. Maybe I might have, have to clear some things up in there first. <clears throat> anyway, um, we'll need some <laughs> some notice. Yeah, just a bit. Oh, I will mention one more funny thing in the movie because this movie oscillates between humor and horrible things but one of my favorite mixtures of the both is when they're on the tv and they have the death toll on the tv yes. and it updates itself like a score on a friggin uh basketball game or something yeah <laughs> and it says like i have a screenshot of it it says like death toll 16 and then it's like three more rangers are killed two more officers and four <laughs> more civilians and and like the numbers go bring bring and that has always cracked me up since the first time i saw this it was movie absolutely something on the <laughs> in the vein of like a death race or, well, yes, uh, exactly. What, oh, we should what's watch funny Death is Race that this sometime. movie is yes. very ahead of its time in ways. 
where that is a thing that CNN kind of does in a sort of insensitive Ooh, way. Uh, and you're not wrong. One of the funny things wrong. they also yeah, say is true. the phrases uh, reality TV is said by Scott. I watch those reality shows when he's talking about shows oh, about right. murders, and it really caught yeah. my ear because I was like, this show is from way before any of that shit started. So uh, he's talking about like unsolved mysteries and shit. And then another thing I wanted to say really quickly, I have on the subject of people. Or Real World, wasn't yeah, that? Yeah, that was. That was but, early 90s. But that was the only one of those besides Road Rules, and it wasn't widely watched outside of that MTV generation. It was that I don't first think wave. anybody True. writing this movie yeah, watched Real Yeah, and you're Real right. World. And he, well, I wouldn't say that. You think it was pretty Tarantino in the was watching Real World, the guy who wouldn't buy a fucking DVD he, player until like two years ago? <laughs> he knew of it, I would almost guarantee um, you. And, and uh, when he says the line, real motor scooters, real mean motor scooters, like right in the same oh, sentence where he says the word fuck, he's like, real mean motor scooters. And I was like, did I get an edited copy? Wait a minute. No, I didn't. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tar- 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 Tarantino, times. Tarantino's old school as hell, man. I mean, he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's 1950s cool. You know, that's just the kind of thing he right. Is Burrito in the room now? Yeah. Our, 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 the, our, the bone ball cat? The, our bone ball cat, Burrito. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> So I think with that, guys, we we seriously have run the gamut of it on this. I think we gotta we gotta force the nail in the coffin. We rode this, this time. horse. These into vampires the are yeah. These these vampires are restless. We're gonna have to nail this coffin shut. <laughs> um, so let's do this. I, we've gushed about the film a bit, but I want to get some just kind of final thoughts, like we normally do. Um, Justin, what have you got on it, bud? I love it. It's a really good movie. It still holds up. Uh, it holds up all these years later. It is what now? Almost 20 years old? It is 20. It's 21 years old now. Yes. 21. And um, it, can drink it holds up really well. At the Titty Twister. Uh, almost everybody in this movie has gone on to long, beautiful careers, except for people who didn't, like Juliette Lewis and uh, the Scott kid. She still has a career. Yeah, but not the career that like Clooney went on Not like to. Clooney or Tarantino yeah. or well, no. the other ones, yeah. I mean, this is Clooney's first movie, and, you know, he had like fucking. Her career's better than my movie career, though. Yeah. But <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. Uh, and, say collectively you know, our, like, our three movie crew. You know, when when it, to to the kids that grew up in the early two thousands and saw like gravity or something, this would be really jarring to them to see Tarantino act like this. <laughs> but I think it's one of those things where you like it because he's so it's just it's like when you see Robert Patrick doing the Terminator thing, like to bring it back to Robert Patrick. It's such a jarring thing from what you see him doing these days. And it works because he's good at it, and it just shows you the range yeah. that actor has. I don't really—I'm not even a fan of Clooney. I, I didn't say that during this podcast, but I don't like George Clooney. I really don't like the roles he plays now. I don't like the Ocean's movies after the first one. I didn't want to see Gravity, but this movie for me was what I feel like. If in another universe, George Clooney could have been this actor, he could have I been agree. like a Bruce Willis or yeah. something. He I agree. I th- yeah. That would—that was one of the points I was going to make during when we were talking. It's like when you he. I think he really missed a shot in his career of being a serious action movie hero uh, after this film. And I, and I, I think Levi's right. It's the numbers kind of killed that. There's, there's another universe. I, I said that. It's another universe where oh, well. where George Clooney. Yeah, he there, said there's another well, Levi universe, said it in a different universe. Yeah, yeah there's another universe where <laughs> George Clooney is an action star a, a la Bruce Willis. And uh, Nicolas Cage is Superman. And we all remember him for that. So, you know. <laughs> Well said. Well said. Nice. All right, Levi, what you got? Um, well, I can't say much more. I love the film as well. And uh, I will say that my view on it has, has changed over the years because I've changed since I was 15, thank God. <laughs> um, 
because I remember when I used to watch this movie, I bought this movie pretty soon after it was on DVD, and I used to watch it, and I would love the opening part of the movie, the first half, and then I hated the last half. I was like, really? this is stupid. I, yeah, I actually still but, like that part better, too. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like I like it a lot better, too. Um, and I, I feel like there are certain uh, things that are just thrown to the wind at the back half of the movie, but <laughs> I think it was uh, Justin that alluded to this earlier. I think it makes the film... Uh, better in a way um, that it doesn't hold to the conventions that you think it will and I think it makes it a very powerful film that it's setting up all this stuff that it doesn't really get a chance to knock down because the the world gets thrown on its axis yeah. for these characters and while I knew going into it that it was a vampire movie I did watch it with my wife and she hadn't really heard of it and she didn't know it was a vampire movie so I got to see her react when uh uh really pandorica yeah she she did oh, not know and she was she was watching face. and she was kind of looking on her phone once in a while i was like okay because she's not really into horror and i was or even you know crime stuff she's not really into it i was like that's cool but then the knife is on the table and it's got the green blood dripping off of it and she kind of looks up she's like what the hell is that and I was like, oh, just wait. Oh, what's funny <laughs> so about that I got is to, that... I got to watch her watch uh, some Hayek turn into I've seen this a dozen times, maybe. I never caught that before, mm-hmm. that the knife had the green blood on it. I hadn't really noticed and, that either. And, I was and like, it, wow. It, it, it's, it, this, is, this is kind of vulgar. It's like the jizz scene in Evangelion, the movie. I did not see that jizz in that, on his hands until like fairly well, recently. And they edited that though. There's a reason they didn't, didn't edit see that. it. Not in the ones we had. We had a we had a real copy of the movie, and oh, I watched it a bunch. That's fucking and it's weird. It's just they don't say anything. Like like again, this movie doesn't call attention to things. It lets you see them. Yeah. And they don't say anything. Juliette Lewis just looks at the knife, and you think in your head she's just looking. Like I thought she was going to grab the knife even this time, but then I saw the green blood. I was like, oh shit, it's mm-hmm. green blood on there. Right. And to your point, another thing I want to say about why I like this film and why I like Robert Rodriguez in general is he's an editor as well. He edits all of his own movies and I, I, I think it comes. What? Well, I didn't know. Something. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, he's, he edits and shoots everything. That's awesome. And um, he also, during this movie, he would get down and he would, he likes to see what the camera sees and he likes to get in there and know what shot he's getting. And instead of communicating that to a, a, to a camera operator he just wants to do it himself and that's one reason that he was one of the first people to really dive into digital um filmmaking because in digital filmmaking you can see what's gonna what you're gonna end up with on a monitor but when you've got a film camera you can't see exactly what's coming through right. that uh right. onto that film but when you're shooting digitally you can see exactly and i think uh if i'm not mistaken once upon a time in mexico was one of the first I think you're right. Major films, if not the first, that was shot completely digital. It's funny, too, because Tarantino hates digital, and so they see that difference in them. (laughs) That's hilarious. But um, I just want to say, as an editor, I think that's one reason I like his movies in general and this movie, because he does know how to um, make you feel a certain way. Or uh, One thing I liked about this movie that's very... uh, Rodriguez, in my mind, is the extreme close-up with someone pointing a gun slightly off camera yeah that's a very robert rodriguez thing to do and i feel like he just has such a kinetic style in his both the way he shoots and edits and 
he's pretty good about keeping you in the space. Like, you don't really lose... Like, Michael Bay gets crap for this, and rightly so, that sometimes you lose where the hell you are in the action because he just cuts, 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 cuts. And one thing Robert Rodriguez does, he cuts a lot, but he kind of tries to keep you in the space that you're in and and doesn't want to lose you. And that's something that I really like in this movie, that there's a lot of kinetic action, but you still kind of know where everything is. And yeah, I, I just love this movie and coming back to it now with, you know, uh, other movies that I've watched and, and just learning more about film and editing and things like that. I, I love it even more to see him at work. So yeah, I like it. Yeah. Well, well said guys. I mean, and, and you know, it's, it's going to be hard for me to come in with mine that doesn't just echo what you guys said, but I, I'll just speak from a personal standpoint. I, I just enjoy watching this film. I just enjoy <laughs> watching these actors be in some of the most fun roles I've ever seen them in. And to me, I'll, I'll just say it again. I think George Clooney really missed a shot at being a serious action hero based on this film. Um, and I think that this, uh, you know, when you look at, at Desperado and other films in this same style, um, you can see why they're popular because they're just they're just amazingly fun and, and very engaging films. Um, and it's just a fun romp. I just enjoy watching it. I mean, plain and simple. It's just a fun, fun, fun watch. Um so with that, guys, uh, I think we'll call it a wrap for the night. Um, let's give you a couple of places where you can check us out. Uh, bottom of the show, Justin, do you want to plug anything? Um, not really. Uh, at CTK86, at Lens of Justin. Um, not much else to plug besides that right now. Um, gotcha. I'm always on Twitter, though, basically. Yeah, go have a Twitter fight with Justin. He'll kick your butt. <laughs> Please don't. Have Levi. Levi. <laughs> yeah, Twitter's blowing up and over already. Uh, yeah. uh, Levi, what about you, bud? Um, well, you can reach me on Twitter, Levi underscore the underscore editor. But you can also reach me on Twitter at Garage Movie Guy because I have a uh, YouTube channel where I review movies on my own. They're little bite size, less than 10 minute uh, I sort of give you a historical impression of the movie and then my impression of the movie and whether or not you might like it. Um, you can search for Garage Movie Reviews on YouTube for that. And that's about it for me. Awesome. Well, as always, remember, everybody, all roads lead back to Midnight Layer. You can catch this podcast and the primary mothership, as it were, uh, Midnight Layer at www try that again www.midnightlayershow.com again that's www.midnightlayershow.com um again quick update on midnight layer itself uh we've got some exciting meetings coming up uh in a week or so uh with some potential partners for the show Yay! so really cool stuff happening and you're actually going to see a little more from us for this show uh as we develop some uh some more ways of getting visible and getting out there so you're going to hear a little more from us uh, very soon. Uh, if you have any uh, questions, Levi, what's that email address? That email address is from the bone vault at gmail.com. You can reach us. You can say anything to us. You can say how much you hate us, how, how wrong we are. We want to hear anything and everything. But praise is cool too. Yeah, yeah, praise is good. We That's like all right. <laughs> I praise, I praise. <laughs> well, with that, guys, uh, as always, I'm Gil. And I'm Levi. And I'm Justin. Stay scary and good night, everybody. Right. Oh, Ramblers. Keep on rambling. I'm a mean motherfucking servant of God. <laughs> nah, we'll end on yours. <laughs>